This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Hi, everyone. I've got a complaint about binoculars. No, binocular holders on this episode of Ron Spomer Outdoors podcast. Now, before I get to my questions and answers, I have to gripe a little bit. This is one of my latest pet peeves. All these binocular harnesses and covers and whatnot that they have. Just bear with me for a second here. Here's a modern binocular. It comes with a nice strap. And it has a cover for the eyepieces, and it is covered in armor coating to keep it from getting scratched and dented. Great. It's waterproof. So I hang it around my neck, and I go hunting, and I've been doing this for years, and it works just fine. But now I notice that everybody is walking around with this big chest thing sticking out, and inside of it, they put their binocular. Oh, well, I can see this. They spent so much money on their binocular that they don't want to get it dinged up. Well, here's my complaint. First of all, you've got this complicated harness system that you have to get in. And once you're in it and you need to take off your jacket, you've got to take off your binocular. And the good old FUD system with a simple neck strap to take off my jacket, I just take off my jacket because the neck strap is around my neck. It doesn't have to be around my arms and shoulders and jacket. And the other complaint I have is you've got all this extra stuff on you. It makes noise. That's not my biggest concern, but it slows you down. When I want to pick up my binocular and look real quick at what's disappearing into the trees, I now have to open this flap, pop that out, slide my binocular out, and then look. I don't like wasting time like that. I don't understand why people carry these things. They've got a rugged, tough, modern binocular with armor coating on it. That's dustproof, waterproof, scratchproof, and they have to put it inside of a harness. Next thing they're going to do is get a bag to put this harness in so they don't scratch that nice harness up. All right. Done complaining. Hope you enjoyed that one. <laughs> Today's real episode is about questions and answers. They've given me the computer with some questions on it again. Huh, uh-oh, here, this one could get me in trouble. Derek asks, what is your opinion on burger bullets and are they worth the hype? Oh, boy. <laughs> I hate giving opinions about uh, specific products unless I really, really feel strongly about them. 
And I don't about Burger Bullets because Burger Bullet is a great target bullet. It's beautifully designed for maximum ballistics efficiency. And so are their hunting bullets. The complaints for and against them pretty much run toward terminal performance. Everybody knows they shoot long and far and really maximize your potential. Well, when they get there, what do they do? One complaint is, well, it's just a glorified target bullet and it blows to pieces. And the other side of it is, boy, when they get there and blow to pieces, they sure drop game in a hurry. (laughs) But you're going to get that with every bullet. I have never known a particular bullet that didn't have someone saying it's the worst in the world and someone else saying it's the best in the world. How you explain it, I don't know, other than it's just kind of human nature. If you have great success one time with one thing, you think it's the world's best from then on out, I don't know. But a burger bullet, as I said, is it's built for optimum ballistics performance. I mean, those are the race cars of the bullet world. Um, so they work very well that way. Now, the hunting bullets are beefed up. They're not just the thin-skinned, thinly-jacketed target bullet. They've beefed them up to what degree? I don't know exactly anymore. Like most bullet companies, they're always tweaking and improving things. So you might want to check them out. But they are, as far as I know, just a cup and core bullet, which means you take your copper, uh, whatever the jacket material is, the gilding metal, whatever percentage of zinc they put in it, and you draw that flat disc out into a cup shape. You put a lead cable inside of it, and the lead can be pure lead or have some antimony mixed with it to harden it or something. Not sure what they're doing there. And then you squeeze it into shape, a swaged bullet, squeezed into the final bullet shape. And you can be very precise about how you do that. I imagine Berger is because Walt Berger started off as a bench rest competitor with lots of records and he knew how to make bullets that would perform for accuracy. So you're going to have an extremely accurate bullet, whether you want a lead core bullet that breaks up when it gets there or something else, there's where you have to make your determination. Okay, thanks, Derek. Aaron asks, if just for fun you picked five pet rounds, what pet name would you attach to each? I, I just don't have time to name my pet rounds, you know. If I'm loading a 243, I'm loading a 243. If I'm doing a 7 rem mag, I'm doing a 7 rem mag. I call them cartridges. I'm sorry. I got so many things to worry about and think about that I don't have time to... I'm lucky to remember the name of my grandkids, I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> I'm always getting them mixed up. Oh, gosh. Oh, now, Stefan707 would like me to do a podcast on cutting-edge bullets. You know, I am going to do that some days, and fairly soon, Stefan, but not right now, because I haven't worked with cutting-edge bullets enough. I've got some samples years ago, and I loaded them up and got some nice, accurate load out of it, but I never had a chance to shoot it for terminal performance. Haven't had a chance to hunt with it. I don't know that I absolutely have to hunt with them, but I definitely do need to load some more up and just see how consistently accurate they are and what they do for the velocities and compare them to some other cartridges. But for anyone who is curious as to what a cutting edge bullet is, this is a company that's making some copper bullets. And I believe they, if I remember right, they're designed for the pedals to break off or cut. Can't swear do I know exactly what they're doing. That's why I've got to do this later, Stefan. But bear with me and I will get to the cutting edge bullets. Thanks for that one. Ah, this is a good one from Dwayne. He wants to know what the minimum impact velocity is 
to open effectively per manufacturer design? Well, that's a big question that I can't answer because there's way too many bullets out there and way too many velocities. But as a general answer, you generally want to keep your bullets velocities at about 2,000 feet per second on impact for proper expansion. Now, obviously, this isn't cut and dried because some bullets will open pretty nicely at 1,800 and a few even at 1,600 and a few even at less than that. Maybe mean, con consider a, a 30-30. Those bullets are going pretty darn slowly at 150 yards. Uh, and then you're carrying, gosh, only about 800 foot-pounds of energy way out at 200 yards, and they still seem to do the job. So a fairly thin-jacketed, soft-lead core bullet can open pretty reliably at some pretty silly slow velocities. Um, but generally with a 30-06 class of families into the magnums and stuff, you're going pretty darn quickly in there. Fearing some of those harder bullets that they make for big game hunting, is pro you're probably going to want to land at about 2,000. But you're going to have to consult with each manufacturer. And know this, if they say, hey, we begin to open at 1,600 or 1,500, begin to open is the key. You can get a little bit of expansion, and you may have seen some pictures of bullets that impacted at different velocities, and you will understand exactly what I'm talking about. When you get full impact velocity, like right at the muzzle, 3,000 feet per second, and that bullet is just absolutely expanded to the max. And then they go down, progressing lower and slower and slower, and the opening is less and less and less until that bullet tip is just barely starting to open up. <laughs> and that's not going to be effective on game. And that's why I get back to that 2,000. Generally, at 2,000 feet per second, you're getting substantial expansion of the bullet to where it's going to become effective. Well, look who's here, our little puppy dog cubby. And I know what you want. Attention. Always attention. You want to go outside, don't you? Time for a run. All right. Go get your shoes on and we'll go run. And tell the cats that they can't come with us. Because they might eat a bird if I let them out. I'm going to keep them locked up. Okay? Go downstairs and get ready. I'll be there real quick. Good girl. Okay. Are hammer bullets available in commercial loads? Paul Simmons wants to know this one. Hammer bullets, that's another one of the new uh, all-copper bullets, the monolithic bullets with a hollow nose. There's are designed to open and then shed their pedals to do more damage. Uh, I did a video on these guys. I interviewed Steve, one of the proprietors there, and it was a really interesting presentation on bullet performance and how they make them and everything. Pretty impressive bullet. I've only used it once so far, but I'm going to get around to using more of them. And they are available in commercial loads. I saw... Uh, Weatherby was loading him. And I think that's appropriate because, of course, Weatherby's are some of the fastest cartridges in the world and their specific calibers. And you need a pretty substantial bullet to stand up to some of those velocities. And the hammer bullets are definitely going to do it because it's all copper. There's a certain alloy in that copper that they insist makes it work just beautifully for their application. Um, but it must work well for Weatherby because they obviously can use any bullet they want. And they've probably done a lot of research when they determined the hammer was going to work on some of their loads. So there may be others out there. I don't know, guys, but I did see that the other day on Weatherby's website. So they're reloading some hammer bullets. I think we're going to see more of those bullets down the road. They seem to be catching on and working pretty well for a lot of folks. What else do we have here? Oh, golly, they're asking a lot of questions about bullets today. Here's one on Badlands Precision Bulldozer Bullets. 
versus hammer bullets with terminal performance, their BCs and accuracy and all that jazz. And all that jazz. Oh, yeah. We should have music with this show. <laughs> that was from Dave. Hey, Dave, I don't have the wherewithal right here to cover all of that stuff, but that is a darn good question. Badlands Precision Bullets are made in Yankton, South Dakota, where I was born, by golly, if you can remember back that far. Um, and I've spoken with those guys on the phone, and I'm really impressed with I, with what they told me and what I've seen on their website, but I haven't experimented with their bullets yet. Just the other day, a local friend of mine uh, called and said that he had some. He had just gotten some in a 7 millimeter. I think they're 150 grain. And uh, I swung by his place and just grabbed five of them. I'm going to load them up on a 7 rem mag just to see how they perform, uh, get a rough idea of their accuracy and the kind of pressures I could uh, get loading those things. But I've got to do more research on these. So that's uh, now I've got cutting edge bullets I got to work with and Badlands Precision. I've done something with hammer. Okay, uh, but ballistic coefficients and all that jazz. We'll get there. Johan asks, how do these hammer bullets compare with Titan monolithic fragmenting bullets? There's another one? Johan, I didn't even know about Titan monolithic fragmenting bullets. But what this tells me is that these copper bullets are absolutely exploding. Every time I turn around, there's a new brand out there. I don't know. I'm going to have to look into this one. Folks, you can dive in too. Let us know what you know about the Titan monolithic bullets. But my goodness, there's five or six monolithic bullets now to add it into the, the Barnes X's and the GMX's from Hornady and the E-tips from Nosler and Winchester has a copper bullet, copper impact they call theirs. Uh, Remington had some back before they went bankrupt. Now they started up again, so they're probably loading their copper bullets. There's just copper everywhere. Okay, this is some guy with just the initial N-E, not explicit. Hey, I'm curious how these bullets with the pedals that break away would handle brush. Ah, that's a good one. Do they deflect or do they break just the pedals off and then remain on direction to the target? I don't know that anyone has an absolute answer to that. I'm probably going to ask some of these monolithic bullet manufacturers what they have discovered. I did have one incident. Uh, it happened in Australia some 20 years ago with the XP3 bullets from Winchester. This was a superior bullet that was really quite elaborate. It had lead in the shank, then copper, and then the hollow nose and the pedals. So you did get that pedal opening business going on with them. They also had a polymer tip on it, which is just mostly for sales appeal. Um, but we were hunting buffalo in Australia the feral water buffalo, and one of the hunters there had shot a buffalo, killed it instantly. Wow, dramatic. What a great shot. Went to look at where he hit it in the shoulder where he was aiming, or the heart, somewhere there. No hole. And we found a hole in the neck. <laughs> I mean, that was probably a foot and a half, two feet away from where he was aiming. And it wasn't that long of a shot, and he didn't pull it. He said it was, felt great. And so we went back to where he'd shot and lined that shot up to where that buffalo was standing and found a twig. I've told this story before. It was probably not much bigger than my thumb, maybe. And it was eh, leaning over like it gotten sliced. Just half of it hit that bullet. So you had half a circle notched out of it, and then it fell over. So that bullet had deflected, and it was that XP3 bullet. But what happened with that one, the pedals didn't break off. I think because of that glancing blow, it probably didn't hit right on the point of the nose of that bullet, but on the ogive, and then that deflected it off, 
and it ended up going, I don't know, we were probably looking at that buffalo being 25, 30 yards behind that branch that got hit. So that's how much deflection occurred before the bullet got there. Luckily, hit him in the neck. <laughs> and it went in oblong, obviously. Uh, sideways impact, it broke the neck and killed that bull instantly. <laughs> so no pedals were broken off of that one. Another time, I shot a Barnes TSX from a 300 Magnum. It was either a Winchester Mag or a Weatherby. I can't remember. I think it was the Winchester. And I think it was a 165 grain bullet. And I had... I was giving a finishing shot to a water bucket that had moved into some brush, and there was a lot of brush there. And I thought, yeah, these copper bullets are solid like that. We'll probably plow through and, and finish him off. And that was another oblong landing. The, the hole in the hide was the length of the bullet, and we recovered the bullet, and it was shaped like a banana, bent. So it had hit some limbs, and it crushed the nose together instead of opening it. So no petals broke off. They just all got smashed together. Again, because I think he hit on the ogive right there. And squeezed it together, landed sideways on the animal, and finished him off. So we didn't lose any petals on that. Those are my two experiments or my experiences with, with the petals. And I imagine that's probably going to happen almost all the time. Because what opens the petals on those mono, mono bullets is liquid. You shoot an apple, and I remember an old Barnes video in super slow-mo had a bullet approaching an apple, but there was another one where it was, I think, a cherry tomato, little tomato, and that Barnes bullet hit that little bit of water in that tomato, and when the bullet emerged from the big splash that you can imagine it was, it was fully opened. It's the hydrostatic opening. It's just hydraulics that open those bullets up dramatically, and you're not going to get that off of a stick. So, I would imagine you're going to see similar things to that buffalo and uh, water buck incidents that I had. Good question. Somebody might want to do some research on that. Somebody who has a lot of time, a lot of money, and can actually find some primers and powder and bullets to do these experiments. Oh, my goodness. This is another. I can't believe it, guys. This is another, another bullet one. This is probably all coming from the video I did when I interviewed uh, Steve Davis from Hammer Bullets. DW asks, why are hammer bullets reloaded differently than, say, a standard cup and core? I don't know that they're loaded differently. I certainly didn't. I loaded my 25-06 with a 92-grain hammer hunter bullet using just standard stuff. You start low and you work your way up, follow the recipes in the book, and I got similar velocities, got excellent performance out of it and great accuracy, so I didn't see there were any differences. Now, maybe... You read something on Hammer's website that suggested something different in, in the hand loading, but I certainly didn't see any reason to do anything differently. But then again, I never looked at their website to see if they recommended anything. There was certainly nothing in the box of bullets. Jake asks, what do I think about the 224 Valkyrie for deer? The Valkyrie is a federal creation in 22 to fit an AR-15. I've never played around with it, but the idea behind it was they were going to build a 22 caliber to shoot really long, heavy bullets. Again, everything's going to these long, high ballistics coefficient bullets for better downrange performance. So they obviously were going to have to make a lot heavier bullet than the usual 22s. It used to be you got up to 55 grains, and that was about it for a 22. There were a few 60 grains around, but most 22s, uh, whether it was a 223, 222, 20, uh, 22250, they just weren't twist rate wasn't good enough to stabilize much more than about a 55 grain bullet 
well, of course, these days, everybody wants to shoot farther and longer, so longer bullets. They're building 22 specifically for fast twist long bullets. So that was the Valkyrie. And it was set up, I believe, with a one in seven twist. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but the objective ultimately was reaching 90 green bullet. But the twist rate I heard was not quite fast enough for that long of a bullet. It could handle the 80s and the 85s quite well and get wonderful accuracy, but not the 90s. They may have changed that. I don't know. But boy, that's pushing the envelope. I mean, a 90 grain bullet in a 22, that, that, that used to be just about the end of the road for the 243s back in the day. They would top out at 100 grains, maybe 105. So you're getting awfully close with a 22 caliber. Pretty crazy. Now, the effectiveness on deer, I would imagine, would be just fine. But again, you're driving that weight bullet, and I've shot plenty of deer with 80 grain and lighter bullets and 243s and 6 millimeters and such, 70 to 100 grain bullets in that range. So you're right in there in the ballpark, and the velocities are probably pretty similar. I am not remembering what the 224 Valkyrie velocity is, but it's a shorter, fatter cartridge for the 223 size so you're not going to have a huge powder supply it's not going to be like a 22 250 but it's got to be close to or maybe a little better than the 223 remington because the length is going to be the same on although you've got to accommodate that long bullet so i would imagine the case is a bit shorter a bit fatter similar to the 223 probably in its velocities but it definitely is going to handle those bigger bullets and that'll be just fine for deer and you really don't need all that much velocity to kill a deer even with a 22 caliber Ask a poacher who uses a 22 long rifle. <laughs> I mean, I've known, when I was a kid, I knew a guy who shot deer with a 22 short. He was a poacher. <laughs> I wasn't supporting him, but I knew of him. And he was shooting him with a 22 short. So it's, again, the right bullet in the right place is what's going to make the difference. Uh, so I wouldn't worry too much about whether you're losing 100 or 200 feet per second over some of the other 22s. It's the bullet and getting it there. So yeah, I think the Valkyrie can work just fine. Anyone out there who's hunted with the 2224 Valkyrie on deer, let us know how it worked out for you. We'd sure appreciate it. What's the difference between tangent ogive and secant ogive? This was asked by Johnny. So what he's talking about is the nose of the right of the bullet, the configuration of the nose. You can have a tangent ogive, which is the curve of the nose of the bullet till it come down to the shank. And if it curves evenly to meets the shank on a nice even curve all the way like this, this is the layman's description of it, that is tangent. People who understand tangent and perpendicular and all these terms that uh, will know what it is, but it's a rounded, gradual curve that meets the shank of the bullet, whereas the secant is more of a straight line. So you start with the tip of the bullet, you come down on your straight line to the shank, and then they meet rather abruptly. It's not a gentle curve. And it's a little more efficient. You're going to get a higher BC with a secant ogive. Uh, I understand they're a little more difficult to stabilize that bullet perfectly with the secant. So I would imagine most target shooters probably run with a, a tangent ogive. But the long-range shooters who really want to maximize their reach and minimize wind deflection are probably going to settle for the uh, secant ogive. And then I, I'm sure the bullet manufacturer and the precision with which he makes his bullets makes a big, big difference because I have shot plenty of secant nose bullets that were more than accurate enough for what I was doing. Get down to a half MOA sometimes. And 
I don't know about you, but boy, in my world, that's accurate. All right, I probably better knock off. There's a whole nother pile of them on here, but that probably enough for now. Hey, guys, let me know what you think on these podcasts. I'm just sort of winging it. Do you like 15 minutes or half hour or hour? I see there are some people doing podcasts that run an hour, an hour and a half. I don't know that you'd want to sit here and listen to me drone on for that long, but do let me know if you have a preference and we will try to meet it because, hey, this is for you guys. If you're enjoying these, let us know and we'll keep doing them. This is Ron Spomer. Give us a thumbs up and like this channel if you don't mind. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time on Ron Spomer Outdoors Podcasts on Honest and Shoot Straight. Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.